So realizing that I had to be on social media, I mean, you don't have to, but it feels like you have to. Welcome to Queries, Qualms, and Quirks, the weekly podcast that asks published authors to share their successful query letter and discuss their journey from first spark to day of publication. I am your host, author Sarah Nicholas and literary agent Sarah N. Fisk. Margie Fuston lives in the woods of California and spends all her time wrangling a herd of cats and helping her nephews hunt ghosts, pond monsters, and mermaids. She's the author of Vampires, Hearts, and Other Dead Things and Cruel Illusions. So please welcome Margie to the show. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story. We're going to be talking about your journey to publication, and we're going to start by going all the way back to the beginning. When did you first start getting interested in writing, and then how long did it take from then before you started getting serious about pursuing publication? Well, when I was a little kid, I I remember writing poetry. Um, and it never really went beyond poetry. Um, I loved, loved, loved reading, but I think I just didn't quite grasp that that could be an actual job that people, that there were people actually writing the books. Um, and then like, I have a memory of like trying to write something like as a teenager and then like one of my sisters found it and made fun of me and I was like okay that's enough um, of that and when I went to college I I like writing was not even on my mind at all um, I kind of said to my mom like when I was like 18 I said one day I'm gonna write books but today is not that day because um, I wanted to be like practical I guess. Um, So I ended up majoring in history. And then I thought I was going to teach high school. And then I realized that I didn't want to teach high school. So I changed to business. Um, I was like, in my last semester to get my business degree. And I was like, I don't want to do anything with this necessarily. And like, the job market was like, terrible at the time so I ended up adding English as my second major and like that was the first time I like really really like enjoyed like college and school was when I started taking those English classes but I still wasn't doing creative writing um I think I put it off until like my very very last semester of those degrees. And then I took a creative writing class. And I think I was just so nervous that this thing that was always in the back of my mind that I'd never actually tried that I wouldn't be good at. (laughs) Um, So I just kept putting it off. Um, And then like that first thing that I wrote for that class, I just remember the professor being like, only two people, you know, got 100% on this. And I was one of them. And I was like, wow. (laughs) Okay, I'm actually like, I'm actually good at this. Um, And then I ended up like not wanting to be done studying. And so I ended up doing a master's um, in English. And even though in the back of my mind, I kind of wanted to do, uh, I wanted to write for kids and teens. Uh, that wasn't really an option at that school, but I loved those professors that I had met and I knew I would learn from them. So um, for those couple years that I did um, 
grad school, I did poetry, found my love of poetry again, and I did short stories. But I think looking back, a lot of my short stories had that YA um, voice to them um, Mm -hmm. even then. And then like after that, I still didn't, I still didn't start writing novels after graduating because I was like, wow, I need to make money. And like, you don't, (laughs) (laughs) writing novels isn't the first thing to come to mind when you, (laughs) you need to make money. Um, So I ended up teaching um, the thing that I originally was going to do and decided that I couldn't do it. I ended up teaching basically because what do you do with a master's in creative writing. Um, so I ended up teaching for a little bit and I got lucky and I got to teach creative writing as well. Um, I was like going, like preparing a PhD proposal to apply to PhD programs because I thought that was like what I wanted to do. And I was like, well, if you do this, you're never gonna write a book like <laughs> if you get into a PhD program that's gonna be your life mm. um so I had this like this summer where I was like am I gonna pursue this or am I gonna say forget that and like follow this thing that I wanted to do you know for so many for like 10 years at that point that I haven't tried to do mm. so that was the moment that um I made those big life changes. I was still teaching, but I was I I left my fiance. That was a good move. Mm-hmm. That freed up the time. <laughs> <laughs> that freed up the time. Highly recommend. Um, <laughs> that freed up my time to to actually write that first um, that first manuscript. And I I use the word manuscript loosely for that first one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How did you learn more about the publishing industry, like how it works, how to query, how to go about it, everything like that? I was obsessed with Writer's Digest. Uh, Like before I even, as soon as I knew I was going to write a book, I, I, I love research. So I didn't start writing for a while still. I just read like every, I'm pretty sure I've read every single article that Writer's Digest has (laughs) on it. Um, I even read, you know, everything about querying. I was like prepared to query before I ever wrote a single word on a, on a page. Mm. Um, because again, I was just kind of putting off doing the, the writing itself <laughs> in favor of, uh, research. Um, but yeah, Writer's Digest was like my main source of information. <laughs> So then what happened? Can you break down your journey for us from then all the way to signing your first book contract? Okay, so the first book I wrote, um, I didn't even really finish it, even though I I actually did enter Pitch Wars with it in 2016. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was, I mean, I guess that you could call it finished, but it was such a mess um and then obviously I didn't get any requests and I was like am I going to revise this thing it was really like two books shoved into one type of deal and I was like I don't I don't think this is the book um so I didn't actually query that um I didn't even actually revise it or really finish it um and then 
I wrote my next book. And that book, that book is Cruel Illusions. Um, even though that's going to be my second book, I wrote that um, next. And I wrote again, Pitch Wars was like my motivating like goal, like mm-hmm. hitting that that Pitch Wars submission window. Um, I thrive on deadlines. So I had the goal to make the 2017 Pitch Wars. Um, and so I submitted with that book and then I got into it and I was very excited. Um, I didn't have like social media yet. I didn't have a Facebook. So I like joined, um, in the mentee Facebook group kind of late and I was so excited, but that ended up being like, not the best experience. Uh, my mentor kind of left me hanging on that one um she kind of just said you know my edit letter's coming late and then she ended up giving me feedback on the first two chapters and then I was waiting and waiting (laughs) and waiting and this was back when pitch wars was only two months thankfully for the revision Mm -hmm. window but I just was like waiting until like the last week and I was like I don't think I'm getting any more edits oh no and then she was like, oh, I just picked you um, because it was already good and you just needed a little light polish. And I was like, what? So the agent round like didn't go didn't go well. I didn't get a mm. lot of requests. I think I had like three requests. And so after that, I was just kind of a little bit like broken because I was like, had seen everyone else like have these good, great experiences revising and like learning to revise, which was what I really, really needed um, as like a fresh writer. I had no idea how to like tackle that level of revisions. Um, and so I, I actually didn't even query that book after the pitch wars window ended. I sat on it for a long time because I just didn't know what to do with it. Um, I just, yeah, so I I did query it eventually and it didn't go anywhere even though I did I did get, you know, quite a few requests so it was kind of a roller coaster of like maybe this is the book but the I I think what I had was a great concept and just I did not yet have the skills to revise it and pull off the great concept so I was getting requests after requests that were ending in rejection. I had an R&R that was like very extensive um, that also ended with rejection. At that point, I was like already kind of thinking about what am I going to write next? That book was a contemporary fantasy and I ended up like switching gears and I wrote like really quickly wrote like a YA thriller slash horror book and I was working on that at the time when agents were um, kind of like saying on Twitter hey let's bring vampires back (laughs) Mm. Um, and I was like well I want to bring vampires back (laughs) Um, so I was like but I'm already like practically done with this other manuscript I should stick with that Um, but like as soon as I someone said let's do fresh vampires i had this i had the idea for vampires hearts and other dead things um and i was like okay this is it's kind of a weird premise um but 
I I was like, oh, I shouldn't do it. I don't know if it's that marketable. Um, even with people saying they want vampires, that doesn't mean vampires will happen. Um, but I, it just wouldn't leave me alone. Um, and so I like messaged a good friend, a very good friend, and said, do you want to go to New Orleans? And she was like, yes. So, so we, we went to New Orleans. And um, by the time we came back, it was one month until the, the pitch wars deadline for the 2018 pitch wars. And I wasn't going to do pitch wars again because of my experience with the previous one. But I like a deadline. <laughs> and I was like, you're not... Like, I really, even though I didn't have a good experience, really believed in the program and had seen, you know, my friends, like, have great experiences. And I was like, well, I really, really, really want to have that. And I think it would help me grow as a writer. So I wrote the first draft of that book in a month. Oh, wow. Um, and entered it. Uh, my manuscript was very, very short, only 50,000 words. So it needed still a lot of like fleshing out. But I entered it and um, that time got multiple requests and and ended up getting in again and had the best experience with my mentors. Like just everything I could want. They were wonderful. Agent Round came along. I did much better and I had that first week after the agent showcase. Actually, the first the first agent I heard back from was a rejection. Um, and so they got back to me that same week um, with rejection. And they said that the premise was outlandish and they wanted to shake my character by the shoulders. And I was like, oh, no. okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why you requested it then because the yeah. um, premise is literally right there. Like, <laughs> um, so that was, that was funny, but luckily like I, one of my gifts as a writer is I have a, a fairly thick skin with comments like that. Um, and I just had to laugh, but it was like, okay, not for you. But literally that same exact day, my agent, Becca, messaged me that night and said she was reading and enjoying and she'd get back to me next week. And then, um, so I was like, oh no, the world's longest weekend. <laughs> but then she ended up getting back to me on Saturday um, and asked for a phone call. Um, and so, and that went wonderfully. Um, and I ended up actually with two offers and ended up signing with Becca and we went out, um, on submission, I think maybe just a month, mm. um, after signing, what happened was with submission, we actually had interest the next day. Um, but it wasn't an offer. It was an R and R which I was a little hesitant about because I'd done an R&R before with an agent and didn't pan out. So, um, but we, we talked and we, I went ahead and did it. Um, now this is something not a lot of people know, but the um, original version of Vampire's Hearts and Other Dead Things was not a paranormal. It was set in our contemporary world and there were no vampires. Um, it was just a girl 
who was so like desperate in her grief that she wanted to believe in vampires Mm. and she already like kind of wanted to believe in vampires anyways and was already obsessed with them um and you know there are people out there who believe in vampires and you know so I didn't feel like it was that far-fetched and I wanted it to be something like far-fetched like something i like because usually um you know, when someone you love is dying from cancer, like you do put some hope in some far-fetched things, which is sometimes like a diet or some, just some kind of fad. Um, and so I wanted something that would show that in the extreme, but not everyone was getting that. So like they, I did the R&R and they came back and asked for more revisions um, in regards to the vampire aspect Hmm. and basically so they wanted me to prove that vampires existed in a better way at the beginning and I was like well they don't I haven't found any any (laughs) solid proof so I can't so I can't really do that but they couldn't get on board with understanding you know um what I was trying to do Mm -hmm. with that even Mm -hmm. though Becca got it and we had originally said the one thing we're not going to do is add vampires. Mm. But after that experience, after um, they didn't move forward with it, I was like, okay, I know I said we weren't going to add vampires, but what if it is a world where people think maybe vampires exist because of this one event that has happened and some people think it's real some people think it's a hoax so it maintained that kind of desperation but it set it in a paranormal world instead of a contemporary world so i could get past that hang up of why does she believe in vampires so i revised and we went out again a couple months later to a different um list of editors Mm -hmm sending it out as a contemporary paranormal um, and then ended up with an offer, I think a month after that second round of submission. All right, cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time. Can you read your successful query letter for us? 18-year-old Victoria and her dad love vampires. Sexy vampires, ruthless vampires, even sparkly vampires. Every Thursday night in the Jacobson household is fantastic movie night, at least for Victoria and her dad. Her mom would rather not. But when her dad's pancreatic cancer progresses, he starts looking less like the original Dracula and more like the bald and sunken Count Orlock. The doctors say there's nothing left to do. Her mom believes in statistics. Her dad believes in God. Both want her to accept the inevitable. But Victoria turns to the one thing she's always secretly hoped was real. Vampires. Armed with legends and desperation, Victoria travels to New Orleans to haunt the streets where the first North American vampires were spotted in hopes of finding one. 
Then she meets Nicholas, a suave and handsome young man who hints he might be what she's looking for. Only he won't share his secrets with just anyone. Victoria has to prove she loves life enough to live forever. Victoria agrees to complete a series of challenges, from eating powdered sugar-drenched beignets while dressed in all black to singing with a jazz band, all to prove she has what it takes to be immortal. But loving life while her dad's dying feels like betrayal, and Victoria must figure out how to experience joy and grief at the same time if she wants Nicholas's secret. But his secret may not be what she hopes. Vampire's Hearts and Other Dead Things is a YA contemporary infused with vampire lore and pop culture. It tackles living through grief with a touch of humor like Jeff Zentner's The Goodbye Days, with a dose of adventure reminiscent of The Lost Boys. It is complete at 68,000 words. I lost one of the most important people in my life to pancreatic cancer when I was close to my main character's age, and while I never went vampire hunting, the way the character deals with her grief and fights to believe in even the most improbable cures is based on my own experiences. Thank you so much for your time and consideration. Nice. Thank you for sharing. So how has your experience been since signing your contract? Especially let us know if there were any surprises along the way. Well, one surprise was I um, originally the imprint that I was with was Simon Pulse, mm. which they actually closed down um, not long after that. Um, so I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. But um, my editor, um, I got to move with her. So that was that was wonderful. And my editor's wonderful. Um, so it's been a, it's been a good experience, even though I had that initial, like, oh no, this is bad. It has, it has worked out. <laughs> yeah, that can be tough. It is time for the quick round. I call it author DNA. It's just classifications that we like to put writers in. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Plotter. Do you tend to be an overwriter or an underwriter? Underwriter. Do you prefer to write in the morning or at night? Both. I hate the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) When you're starting a new project, do you typically start with character or plot or concept or something else? Concept followed very quickly by character. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Tea with cream. When writing, do you prefer silence or some kind of sound? Silence. When it comes to the first draft, are you more of a get it down kind of person or a get it right kind of person? Get it right. What tools or software do you use to draft? Um, I use Microsoft Word, and I I sometimes play around in Scrivener, but haven't learned to love it yet. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Do you prefer drafting or revising more? Drafting. Do you write in sequential order, or do you hop around? I hop around a little bit. I have a very, very like detailed outline so that I can hop around if I if I want to but mostly I write in order and final quick round question are you an extrovert or an introvert extreme introvert (laughs) (laughs) all right so the podcast is called queries qualms and quirks we already heard your query and now we're going to get into the second cue what were some of the worries that you had on your journey and were they realized or did you overcome them or how did they shake out I think one of my biggest worries was like having to be on social media. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 
probably goes back to the extreme introvert <laughs> um, answer, but I was a person who didn't have social media like before I started wanting to pursue writing for writing novels for publication. I guess in my mind, I was still thinking you could just write your books and and be in the woods mm. <laughs> and not interact. <laughs> um, and then I realized, oh, shoot, there's a lot happening on Twitter. There's, a, there's you know, stuff happening on Facebook. I mentioned before I wasn't on Facebook before I got into Pitch Wars, so I had to join that kind of late. So realizing that I had to be on social media, I mean, you don't have to but it feels like you have to. Um, (laughs) And I wouldn't say I've overcome that in any way if you look at my social media. (laughs) Media, I tweet something maybe every six months. And then uh, Instagram, I'm a little bit better. um, But I still probably only post like every month if I'm being honest with myself. Maybe I'll get better (laughs) one day. So... That was definitely something that I was worried about, and I guess it's something I'm still worried about and still not not great at, but <laughs> oh well. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the third cue. Do you have any writing quirks? Is there anything about your writing process that you think is kind of different or interesting or unique? Um, I would say that I'm definitely a think-to-write person and that I probably spend more time thinking through what I'm going to write than I actually do at the computer, like putting down the words. Um, I'm not a turn on my computer and then wait for things to come to me. I'm a let me think through what I'm going to do and then hop on the computer. And I think part of that goes back to I like to like get it right as right as you can <laughs> in a first draft. Mm-hmm. Um so I I really like to not go off course as much as possible. So I spend I think probably more than average like thinking things through before actually like putting those words down. That's how I found that I work best. Mm-hmm. When you were in the lowest parts of your writing journey, whatever that may have been for you, what kept you going and why did you stick with it? I think that I stuck with it just because I um, just wanted it so badly. And like at that point in my life, I had done a bunch of other things as well and was like, this is the thing that... I really want to do. So I can't just let things get to me. Um, And I'm pretty good at just moving forward and shaking things off and like keeping going at something. So um, I think that's what really kept me moving in the right direction. And also my mom and dad, they're lovely. Nice. And and so they've always been encouraging and I think it really helps when you have family that that encourages you in that way or friends or um other loved ones so I think that helps a lot. Yeah. 
Do you feel like you made any mistakes along the way that you would like to warn listeners about so maybe they don't make the same ones? Probably my biggest mistake was like not coming out of my show more, like trying harder, like with social media and engaging with the community. Um, I do think that's that can be really important and really awesome when you do make those connections, um, which not, I'm not saying I haven't made any connections. I have friends in the community. <laughs> um, I just took, took, took me a lot longer to like get, get into it and like open up and talk to people. So I would recommend pushing yourself to do that um, early on well before maybe you even start writing so yeah can you share with listeners one of the most important lessons that you learned on your journey to publication the most important lesson is to just put your health first Mm. like both physically and mentally Mm -hmm. I think that was another mistake that I made early on was like working three jobs and then like really pushing myself to produce um, writing at like uh, trying to work at a full-time level writing on top of that. Mm. I would say, you know, don't look at it. And this is really difficult in this industry, but don't look at it as like this race where you have to have this enormous output or you're going to fall behind instead focus on what's reasonable for you and your life and your obligations instead of trying to keep up with what you see other people doing. Yeah, that's great advice. I call this the acknowledgements portion of the podcast. This is not a business that most of us succeed in completely on our own. So who are some of the people or organizations who helped you along the way and how? Um, Pitch Wars, obviously, uh, was wonderful by 2018 mentors, Kimberly, Gabriel, and Don Use are two of the loveliest people. Um, I just, I can't speak highly enough of them. I adore them so much. They're wonderful. Um, and then, of course, my agent, uh, Rebecca Podos, like, she just she really got what I was wanting to do with vampire hearts and other dead things. And like, not everyone did. And so like endlessly grateful for her. And then my editor, Sarah McCabe, like she is just absolutely brilliant. And I'm so lucky to be working with her. And then like all my writing friends I've made, like through pitch wars um, and other places, just, it really is like even when you're an introvert, you cl- you do end up having a lot of people like in your corner in this industry, anyways. Um, which I think is is really lovely that those people find you find you no matter what. Yeah, awesome. So we heard about vampires, hearts, and other dead things from your query letter. So can you tell us a little bit about cruel illusions before you go? So Cruel Illusions 
it is about a girl whose mom has been killed by a vampire when she was younger. And so she's actually like looking um, for revenge and she ends up getting entangled with this um, kind of cult of magicians who practice stage magic um, and they moonlight as vampire hunters and they're kind of promising her uh, the power that she needs to get her revenge, but she has to enter this deadly competition to be allowed to join their secret society. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Margie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with my listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Corey's Qualms and Quirks. You can find the text of Margie's query in the show notes, along with links to find out more about her and her books. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate if you helped me find new listeners by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, telling your friends, or sharing this episode on social media. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash pubtalklive. And if you're a published author interested in being a guest on the show, please click on the home base link in the description or go to sarahnicholas.com and click on the podcast logo in the sidebar. That's Sarah with an H and Nicholas with no H. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.